0: good morning good morning everyone um cc here cc Muela with the city of santa rosa and pete with four leaf we are coming live to you this morning on our very awesome 2022 code enforcement network and today we have the pleasure of bringing forth a great interview great convo with our fellow colleague um victor from The state of Arizona. So Victor is a code compliance manager for Martinez. I'm sorry about that. Code compliance manager with Apache Junction. And in addition to that, Victor also serves as president of SELA or the Code Enforcement League of Arizona. Um, I actually had the pleasure of meeting Victor a couple years ago in passing um, through our code enforcement network and had the opportunity to meet him as well. Recently in Arizona at ACE, Victor comes with a wealth of knowledge, lots of great things. We're going to hear some great stories, get to know a little bit more about Victor, all the cool stuff he's done in his professional journey. So Victor, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys today.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. So um, let's dive in. Victor, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: So uh, I am a... Code compliance manager here for the city of Apache Junction. Uh, I've been in doing code compliance uh, functions probably since I was 18. So I've been on and out for probably over 20, 25 years doing code compliance uh, I hold a master's in business administration and a, ba- a bachelor's in business administration. I work for many jurisdictions here within the state of Arizona to include jurisdictions such as Phoenix, such as uh, Gilbert, Queen Creek, uh, Nogales, uh, and a couple of other uh, jurisdictions. Uh, and throughout those, I you know learned a lot more from different jurisdictions, the way that everybody does code compliance, because everybody does it a little bit different. Uh, so I had the, throughout my career, I had the opportunity to go to different states for code enforcement conference, where I uh develop a lot of relationships with a lot of individuals such as Pete, such as Cecilia, and other co-compliance managers, co-compliance officers throughout the United States. Um, Also, I've been the president uh, for the Code Enforcement League of Arizona, and I've held other positions there within the the, uh, association, such as second vice president, first vice president, and in in the Code Enforcement League of Arizona, we offer a lot of a lot of trainings to the code enforcement officers in the state. We have a certification program uh, known as a. Uh, certified code enforcement officer one uh code enforcement officer two and then currently after working for many years uh together we are going to offer a certified code enforcement officer three training program here in the state and all those courses i take take in, in conjunction with one of the community colleges here in the state so you do get college credits for those courses and i think uh since i've been the code enforcement league of arizona i've helped uh many code enforcement officers achieve that certification Uh, Also here in in many municipalities I work for, such as Apache Junction, I have brought a lot of programs forward, such as a lot of uh, abatement programs, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, cleanup programs, uh, a lot of uh, just cleaning up nuisances, doing a lot of demolitions and unsafe buildings, uh, nuisance properties. Uh, So throughout the many years I've been in co-compliance, that's kind of, you know, what I've done, what what I've been doing.
2: So, um, you know, just, we always like to tell the origin story, how we kind of met. So I met uh, Victor in Colorado during one of the ACE conferences. Uh, it was my first conference. You know, uh, got to meet a lot of the state presidents. Victor was one of them. Um, I got to sneak in into the uh, the state presidents meeting. I wasn't supposed to be there, but I went there anyways because that's what I do. And um, during that meeting, I uh, had recently just uh, left the California Association of Code Enforcement Officers um, and joined the American Association. Uh, uh, I was route to become a board member uh, for as their uh, ambassador, and during that time, I just coincidentally the president of Casio happened to be there. Her name was Carrie Simpson, and she ended up meeting. She ended up crashing the uh, the board meetings. President, we got to meet Victor. We got to meet Kelvin Bean, Greg Smith. There's a lot of great folks out there, and you know, if you ever get a chance to go to these types of meetings, uh, go. You will meet a uh, a lot of people, and your network just grows infinitum it's just, just a it's a great thing and i got to meet victor and then you know once i got to meet him i just realized he goes to a lot of training ended up hanging out with him in las vegas for EduCode. code that was a great time and if anybody gets a chance to go to EduCode, code please go to EduCode. code it's, it's an awesome time it's normally held at the uh, new orleans and it's uh it's this february 28th through march 4th uh, we're gonna have Uh, Alan Ellis on the show in a couple weeks uh, to discuss uh, EduCode. So that's a very good thing also. So now when it comes to the ordinance stories, now you said, Victor, you said you started code enforcement about 18.
1: Correct. correct. I started back when I was 18, I started doing solid waste ordinance enforcement. So it was a little bit different than the the property maintenance, but it was solid waste. Uh, And it's funny that you mentioned a lot of this, uh training programs because yeah i can tell you pete just goes anywhere anytime pete doesn't care what class it is he just goes in but you know one of the things i can tell you is <laughs> i was able to uh get to know some good instructors in those national conferences and i was able to bring some of those instructors here to the state level uh, uh trainings that we have also pete can tell you i can be a pain sometimes because i was bugging and bugging american association of code enforcement to come down to arizona and we were finally able to get him down here this past year and it was very interesting. A lot of uh, Arizona code enforcement officers were excited to have the national conference down here after so many years. So, you know, I do that. I, that's what I do as president of, of the board is just I'm going to do whatever I can to to get the trainings that the code enforcement officers here need. And if it if it means that I have to be calling ace every week to bring it to Arizona, that, that's what I'll do. And Pete can tell you i I do. I do all that.
2: The lesson here is squeaky wheel gets the grease. <laughs> correct, right, <correct. laughs> <Yeah>, right. So, <laughs> but you know what? Um, in all reality, Victor is one of the most uh, you know he's a very charismatic guy. You know, and and one of the things that he does bring is he had he brings his passion to code enforcement to Ari- Arizona. He lives his you know he he brings his passion of Arizona you know anywhere he goes. So people know Victor as Victor from Arizona. <laughs> so you know, um, I think I when I met him, he was at Kings Creek. So uh, let's get back to waste management. Let's let's go back. I love going back, and uh, you know. So how did you end up getting into waste management? You know, because 18s are a pretty young age.
1: So yeah, the interesting thing is when uh, back at eighteen, I was working as a security guard at one of the high schools, right? The high school I graduated from. And I see this position open up, up in the in the city of Phoenix. I say, you know what, sounds interesting. Let me, let me apply for it. And I went through the whole interview process. And, uh, you know, eventually I got hired. And and let me tell you, I learned more about solid waste and trash than I ever wanted to know in my life. I mean, (laughs) I was out there in the landfill doing uh, audits of loads, doing a lot of education, a lot of community involvement, uh, you know, just educating people on the importance of of the recycling part of it, doing a lot of tours at the uh, the landfill, the material recovery facilities, kind of educating people on the recycling (laughs) program, and kind of just going out there, you know, looking at areas that really were not, participating in the recycling program and just finding ways to to educate them on it to make them participate in, in the recycling program and you know a lot of times uh do a little bit of enforcement but most of our back then because the program was really getting started was just more education so that's kind of where i got m- my uh, community embalming experience and my education experience and you know doing a lot of presentations at the schools a lot of community events so that's kind of i started in, in solid ways and like I said, I think I learned more about trash than I ever wanted to know in my whole life, just in those years that I was doing solid waste.
0: So Victor, you, if I if I may, Pete, um, so two things that you said. So you were fairly, you know, younger. Um You know, 18, getting started, security guard, then you go into solid waste um, and you start learning the ins and outs. But I think that one of the things that really stands out for me is you said, you know, community involvement, education, outreach, really getting out into the community. And I got to say, you know, for, for those of us, many of us that actually have been doing the line of work that we've done for as many years, we're not always so, um, keen or so ready to be front and center, right? To be doing the education, to be doing the community involvement, because we we tend to maybe be a little introvert or we don't know how to find a way to kind of communicate with the community. Um, What do you think helped you prepare yourself to to have that community involvement to to get out there at the beginning of having to do that community outreach what were some things that you remember that perhaps you fine-tuned throughout the years to get you to today
1: you know one of the things to say is practice makes you better and i do believe that i mean back then uh you know, like everyone else, we're shy to do community presentations. So, so what I did, I started taking a lot of those uh, classes that kind of help you speak in the community, kind of help you better yourself in, in, in doing those presentations and speaking to people. In fact, uh, back then I was the uh, kind of like the leads, and I would do a lot of uh, you know radio shows uh, on, in Spanish. I would do a lot of uh, TV shows in Spanish just to educate individuals. So I was kind of like the 2 go person for, for the Spanish interviews. And I think uh, what helped me is just taking classes. Uh, a lot of, uh, what I did too once, I remember this, is people were telling me, Victor, you talk too fast when you do your presentation. Slow down. <laughs> so I recorded myself and I started listening to myself. And I think a lot of that helps. And, and, you know, that's one of the things I can tell people, kind of record yourself, see how you're doing in those recordings. Um, It's always good to get another person's perspective on the presentations you're doing also to kind of help you improve yourself. You know, there's no such thing as constructive criticism. But, you know, there's always individuals that can help make you better in doing those presentations.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think I think those are really great tips is recording yourself. One of them, right, because then you get your your first account of yourself, you know, presenting how you sound. Um, you know, I think, Victor, that for, for many of us, when we start presenting, um, we'll Tend to fidget a lot, right? Or sometimes we we um a lot um um about that, or uh like you're reaching for your thoughts, right? And you you're absolutely a thousand percent and record yourself because then you can hear you and you can catch yourself, right? And you start filling in those spaces with the next sentence structure that comes through. But not only that, Victor. You know, Pete said it very well. You're very charismatic. Right. So so people tend to gravitate towards that. So as you're presenting, you're probably like, okay, I'm in it. I'm in my jam. I know this info. I know exactly what I'm going to say and do because I know and I understand my work. So I think that also helps. And it's cool to know that you were a locutor, like we call it in Spanish. Right. Out there. and Kind of. Right. Yeah. correct.
1: I was at the radio station doing interviews. I mean, the, the locutores, as they call them, will interview me regarding, you know, the solid waste ordinance recycling and you will get the calls coming in people asking questions uh and you know that's the kind of stuff i like doing it's just helping the community doing a lot of uh you know univision i think the spanish network had this thing at nighttime where it was like univision at tu lado or you're like, like kind of like on your side and you'll be on the phones they answering phone calls all night doing like segments of interviews in the middle of those phone calls and 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 it was funny. A lot of times I would have people just call us to say, hey, Victor, I know who you are. I I remember you from high school. Just to say hi. (laughs) (laughs) So you became an instant celebrity. I'm telling you. And and, and that's when I learned that, uh, you know, people from Mexico do watch uh, the news station here because even people from Mexico were telling me, we saw you on the news. (laughs) <laughs> that's
0: really cool so you not only were you doing community outreach in your neighborhood but in your community but you're like extending across the border which is really cool that's really neat
1: yeah correct that's, some, that's something that you really don't don't think of but it does happen yeah. you know, when they say everybody watches the news huh? and i i, I pretty, literally figure out what it means when everybody watches it
0: great right.
2: so i'm going to tell you a quick story so um we ended up uh, ended up we ended up going to a police investigation and you know over some uh, rental fraud case and you know we were sitting there and all of a sudden the news van popped up and a bunch of cameramen popped up like if we we're gonna get kidnapped started videotaping us and then a guy comes up with a with a microphone and I, I thought it was on an episode of cheaters or something <laughs> but but the you know, end of the day it, it, it turned out to be some investigative report and all these uh all these people that were um, you know, defrauded came over and started, you know, telling their story, and they we can't be on camera because our PIO would say no. You, you need to get clearance first, so we didn't get on camera. But you know, later on when you know I went home, my mom's like, "Hey, I saw you on the news." <laughs> you know, I just happened to be there, and they uh, took a picture of my stop work order. So I totally get what you're saying in regards to people just randomly seeing you on the news. So it's, it's a pretty, it's funny. So I just wanted to share that little quick, quick story with you. So.
0: Yeah, you know, and 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 that's true cuz most of the time You know, when you come into this profession, people will say, or the direction you get is just, just don't get on camera. So you know, as you're going out there and you see those, those uh, cameras roll out, most of the time you're like, oh, gotta turn the other way. Oh, gotta go this way, right? (laughs) But this is different because this is actually providing a service. You're going out there and you're saying, hey, yeah, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is what it looks like. This is what, you know, why why we do what we do and why it's so important. I and I think that that's really great. It gives perspective And not only that Victor But the fact that you communicate With even the The Latin community Right Um, That doesn't Quite understand Hey What is code enforcement Why do I have those Rules and regulations I don't even understand What that even means Or why we need to do Those things You know Um, Because the idea Always is, is You know America is a free country Right? It's a free country. You come in here, you do what you do, you live how you live, you build how you build. But the concept of having codes, regulations, things like that doesn't always, you know, set with, well, wait a minute, why do I have to? you know, put my trash can back in after 24 hours? Or why do I have to go through design review for, you know, painting my house or adding something to my house that might be in a historic area or whatever, right? So I think that that is really essential. That's the component of the connection that we really seek out when we're doing community involvement.
1: Right. I think, I think it's really important because uh, depending on how long people have lived here, uh, you know, all they know is their country or all they know is yeah. what they grew up to know. Uh, And, you know, things change rapidly. I mean, here, when I came to Apache Junction, Apache Junction was known as a city where you can do whatever you wanted. There was no enforcement. Now, all of a sudden, when I get hired, you know, they want to go a different direction. You know, the city manager gets this yearly uh, uh, service. And one of the questions in there was, "Okay, will you recommend a friend or a family member live there? And and nine out of ten were saying no or eight out of ten, whatever it was. So they want to change the concept. And now, you know, you come in here as a a new co-compliance manager trying to change that concept to individuals who've been used to doing things a certain way for 20, 30, 50 years, sometimes it can get difficult. So that's where your education will come in, your community involvement comes in, and, you know, start educating before doing the enforcement. So they can kind of know why. Why is it you're doing the enforcement? Why is it important? And that's why I totally agree with with, having that community involvement, that education, uh, prior to just doing a lot of enforcement for, for many different individuals that probably wouldn't have known that from before.
2: Now, now, Victor, you're doing this exercise in Apache Junction. Did you see it like not being implemented in other cities, and you know maybe management just said, "Hey, go and enforce this without any education or anything"? Did you ever see that backfire, or mm-hmm. did you ever see other you know successes in what you're doing right now?
1: Look, I've seen it before where, where you know, you got, uh, not in this city, but in other cities where management wants, you know, enforcement, enforcement, forget the community involvement. And you can see people going up, getting upset because they're not getting the information. They're just getting enforced. They're going to your local elected officials. So I see, I see it where it backfires when you do the education or the community involvement. That's why I think it's important to, to educate first before going to, strictly to a, to an enforcement uh, aspect of, of the code enforcement.
2: And when it comes to the type of uh, community outreach that you do for Apache Junction, uh, wh- what's some strategies that you did when you first, you know, when you said, hey, I need to educate the public. What is it? Did you change your website? Did you? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, correct. So, so I uh, made sure the co-compliance web- website was up and running because it wasn't getting together with our PIO to get the information out on, on the social media platforms such as, you know, Facebook, such as uh Twitter and all those social media platforms, let them know, hey, listen, you know, start with weeks and then next month, move on to an uproar vehicles, kind of get a di- different, different, uh, violation each month, uh, kind of let them know the importance of co-compliance. Uh, you know, instead of do- issuing notice of violations, let's issue a courtesy notice first before you start doing the actual notices. So a lot of different ways to, to educate people. And, and that's some of the ways we, we've done it. Um, it's just a lot of, using a lot of social media platforms, using the co-compliance website to, to get people kind of to read, to, to learn why co compliance is here, the codes that get enforced. So those are different things that I've done to kind of get people to know that we're we're doing enforcement here. That's
2: awesome, Victor. Now let's go back. You know, after your 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 stint in the uh, in the solid waste area, where where did you go from there after solid waste? You
1: transitioned so, so over. After to so after solid waste, I, that's where I went over to. Uh, I was a little bit in the courts in the municipal courts, and then after that, I went over to co compliance.
2: Now when it comes to municipal courts so in, in many jurisdictions we have our county courts and but in some jurisdictions you actually have your city that has its own court and and, and actually sometimes you have your own uh, code enforcement division that has their own court Now what was the case, what, what's the what's the format in, in, uh, in you know say some of the jurisdictions in Arizona
1: yeah so, so right here you have a couple of different processes you have the code enforcement and, uh, municipal court process where you issue the citations and go strictly go straight to the municipal court level where the judge decides the outcome. And then we have the administrative process, which is where the city will hire a hearing officer to hear those cases. The hearing officer doesn't work for the court, so everything that you do is going to be administratively. That's why it's called administrative process. The hearing officer will hear the case, make a decision, and then uh, any collections or fines, anything like that is done administratively through the co-compliance uh, department.
2: Alright, cool, awesome. Now, now, now let's move forward. Now, when you got to, when you actually went into code enforcement, right? So, what was your first thing in code enforcement, and what made you
1: actually look at code enforcement and say, you know what, that's what I want to do? So, the reason I started looking into code enforcement was when I was working at the municipal court. I would see court officers come in, Hey, you know me, I'm, I'm like P man. I like to talk to everybody, find out what people are doing. You know what are <laughs> the other no. What is your job? What is it about? And I started, you know, kind of. Uh, talking to two different individuals that were going into court and kind of started learning uh, about the job. And I said, wow, this sounds interesting. You know, I can go out there all day and talk to people and educate because I was when that kind of person who loves to talk and educate people. Uh, so that's how I started getting interested in it. I started going and right along to kind of see what the job was about, and I started liking what I saw. So that's when I decided to to apply for court enforcement. That's how I got, got into it and made me kind of want to do court enforcement.
2: So it's kind of love at first sight, huh?
1: Correct, correct.
2: So, you, you, know, you know, it's funny because, you know, one of the things that I, I really reiterate over and over, it's like, you know what, your presence, your tone, your facial expressions, they all play a big factor in how you communicate with the public. When you come in with a, you know, with a very, you know, jovial personality, you, people tend to listen to you and want to work with you. But if you come in like this, you know, people don't want to work with you. And, you know, I think that's a, that's something that I learned over years and you being a very people person you have a way you know if anybody that meets victor has a way like you know he just loves talking to people like you know we'll have a conversation about a conversation that's right <laughs> just we talk about guys, it, yeah.
0: Yeah. that's true because you know like i said i i met victor through networking um photographs you know doing these type of segments um and then in passing, but you know, when I connected with you, uh, Victor, in, in uh, Arizona, we were like, "Hey, how's it going? How's it going?" Like we've known each other for years and years, and that and that goes to show um how personality and how um you kind of project out into the world with everybody else really being approachable being able to come up to you and say hey how's it going friend you know how how hard things how's Arizona tell me all about it I mean so it's it's that level of comfort that that you put out there that I think is so essential too oh
1: yeah 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 when I saw when I saw Ceci that the conference here in Arizona I was like, what's up? Like I hadn't seen her for, for many, many <laughs> years, right? And we're long long friends. And I think I've known mm-hmm. Ceci from maybe I think the first time I met her was uh educated in, in Vegas about three years ago. Yeah. Uh, but you know it's it's funny how you build a lot of relationships through yeah. co-compliance, through a lot of with a lot of different individuals from different states. And, and it's always good mm-hmm. because you get to learn from every one of them. You know, a lot of times when I have questions I can always call Pete and ask him, Hey Pete, you know what were you doing this instance? So I can even call Ceci. I haven't done it yet, but I will.
0: Yeah. Yeah for, sure. well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. So I want to get down to some some raw stuff. So we talked about you starting out. We talked about your journey. We talked about, hey, you know what? I was in court. I was observing these code officers that were kind of coming in, thought that was kind of cool, decided to apply, landed in code. So a lot of the times when we, when we think about code enforcement, right? And and sometimes we'll hear folks say, gosh, it's so much work, it's overwhelming. I can't get it right. They don't listen. Blah. Blah, 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 this and that. But the truth of the matter is, and I always say this because I feel it to be true. We do what we do, and we've been in this profession long enough, right, this, this, this amount of time, because there's something about it that draws us to what we do. So, Victor, if I were to ask you, what are the highs of the code enforcement profession for you? What is it that it, what, what are those things that does it for you that continues to draw you in and pull you into the profession? You
1: know what I think, I think when you get, for example, last, last what was it, two weeks ago, I drive by a property. It was a known drug house. A lot of drug activity going on. Neighbors were just tired of it. And then you drive through the house and you see a vacant lot that's nice and clean and no more people living in there, no more drugs being used in there. Uh, that to me is satisfaction because, you know what, now I know that the neighbor's uh, children can go out and play and I have to worry about a lot of the illegal activities that was occurring. I mean, I have a story. One day I was uh, shopping at a local supermarket store down in Phoenix. And somebody comes to me and it says, you're that code enforcement officer. And, you know, the first thing that comes to your mind is like, oh, shoot, I'm in trouble. I probably did one of the ticket <laughs> or something. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then all this person says was, you know, I want to thank you for taking the house down. It's a lot safer now. I, my children can go out and play. So I think that's the satisfaction that I get for doing my job. You know, I think that's what makes me keep doing what I do. And that's why I'm in the, on the state board, because I love To train people on what I know. I love to pass my experience on to to people and help them succeed in their jobs. That's what they want to do. In fact, what I tell people here in the office or anybody that I know is, hey, if you ever want to be in management, you know, what? I'll show you what I know. I'll I'll help you get there and and, and kind of train you on on what I know and how I got there to kind of help you succeed in, in your career. And I think that's what brings me satisfaction in co-compliance. It's just not serving my external customers, but also my internal customers, such mm-hmm. as my teams, other co-compliance officers, and, and educate them and give them all the information that I have.
0: Right, right, exactly. And, you know, and by the same token, what would you say are some of the lows of their profession? If you could pick anything, well, what is one of the things that, you know, makes you think like, oh, man, this is hard or this is difficult?
1: And I think a lot of people are going to relate to this is, having uh elected officials that a lot of times don't like code uh or don't back up code huh? I, mean, I think we have that in many municipalities uh that we worked in i'm pretty sure pete has the old wedding i'm pretty sure ceci has the old wedding in different municipalities or different organizations where you don't have the backing of some individuals in your organization mm-hmm. about code compliance and i think that's what makes it difficult sometimes mm-hmm. uh but you know overall i mean when you have seven council members if four or five have your backing and you're doing a good job. Uh, but I think that, that, that what makes it difficult is is just knowing that you're not going to have the backing of a lot of your uh, team members, or a lot of individuals within the organization, because, you know, when you're out there enforcing, I think you need to have a hundred percent of the backing. Uh, otherwise it's going to be hard to do your job.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and, and that is, that is exactly correct. I, I can definitely relate to that. I know when I started in code enforcement, many years ago, um, code enforcement was was viewed as optional. And in a lot of jurisdictions, it still is. Um, and you know, w- with the onset of COVID-19, we found a new word, right? Essential, and everybody started using that. Are you essential? I'm essential, you're essential, everyone's essential, right? And some jurisdictions started really realizing how essential code enforcement really was. But I feel like it doesn't necessarily have to we don't have to have a pandemic in the world to realize the, the the wonderful asset that code enforcement that a code enforcement unit has on a jurisdiction, right? There are many things that make us essential. The the fact, like you said, Victor, the fact that you can clean up a property, the fact that you can ensure that someone has a safe roof over their head, that, you know, that family with the small children are gonna be able to have a place where they can sleep comfortably with heater and, and no leaks or no mold or no substandard conditions. The fact that, you know, even though displacement may happen that we can perhaps assist in getting that family back into their unit having them relocated into a better situation but um, I think that when we're going before even our, our council members like you said Victor that is just, that is that is big it's key I remember one particular city manager who I had the opportunity to you know, present a portfolio uh, before him I went in there and I said hey this is me this is what I do this is my role in the city and instead of going into we need 10 officers we need 10 million dollars or whatever it may be right we need to beef up our budget i went in there and i said this is what we've done this year this is the before this is the after this is our community involvement this is the cool things that we've done these are the the notice to vacate, but these are the returns into those units and he i will never forget this he said to me i didn't realize how much positiveness code enforcement brings because all I ever hear in council meetings are, I need more money. We're understaffed, but I never hear the outcome of the goodness, the good stuff, the good good, right? All the cool things that we do, all the things that we do to get to that point. And I think that when we start changing that narrative a little bit, it assists us, but it goes back to, you know, we're big on community involvement and community outreach, but that community outreach and that community involvement also needs to be internal community involvement, internal community outreach, going out there and showing them, hey, let's go on a ride along. Let me show you a day in, in my in my uh, shoes, right? So I think that that's really essential. Yeah, that is one of the, the unfortunates of code enforcement is not and, having... And,
1: and, 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 you know, and to, to uh, broaden on that point a little bit, I will say my city manager is very good at that. I mean, every time we do projects, I send the before and after, and he's very excited to... Uh, Take that forward to our elected officials, to other department directors. And I think that's important because they're seeing what we're doing out there. They're kind of not only hearing it, but, you know, we're sending in the before and after, kind of how, giving the history of why we had to do it, how we got there, and, and what the final outcome was. And our city manager is very good at doing that, passing that information along. Uh, you know, also, one of the things I, I forgot to tell you, you know, it's a story where my director and I go out to a property. Uh, and as soon as we arrive, the neighbors are capping. They're happy, they're clapping at us because they're seeing work being done where you know you had a lot of activity in, in, on the property. So those are the kind of things that you know we pass on to, to the city manager, to our elected officials, so they can see the difference. So they can see how happy the community is with co-compliance at times.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is true. So going back to um, a line that I'm gonna steal from you because I think it's really cool educate before you enforce, right? The two E's, educate before you enforce. And I think that is awesome, Victor, because it's true. Education, again, getting out in the community, letting them know who we are, why we do what we do from the littlest littles to the adults, but also internally educating before we enforce. Hey, if you haven't connected with your fire department or your elite department or your city management department or planning or whomever, educate, before we go in first, hey, this is what we can do. These are the things that we can assist you with. These are the things that we can't assist you with. However, we can provide you a resource or a number or whatever. Victor, I think that's so cool. I think the fact that you, you look at code enforcement with that lens is is a new way of doing code enforcement. It's an effective way of doing code enforcement because you're not so honed in on enforce, enforce, enforce. There's always something to learn about every case that we're enforcing, right? And every case that we enforce always teaches us something new. So I like that, educate before you enforce. Correct,
1: and one of the things I have is, is I don't use no in my vocabulary. What I tell people is, even when I train my, my, my team members, when I train other code enforcement officers is, never say no to someone. I always mm-hmm. give them what you can do for them. I mean, because we do a lot of enforcement on, you know, accessory structures or, or many other items out there, uh, and they can come, come to me and say, you know, as you're trying to say, I can't have that accessory structure there, I'm not going to say no, I'm just going to say, well, you can't have it, but this is how you can have it, or this is what you can do to be in compliance. I just hate the word no because it's so negative. I mean, when you tell someone no, I think you're kind of already getting that person more upset than they already are. But are you them those options? I think that's what's going to make a big difference in doing that enforcement.
0: Yeah. Now,
2: one of, the, one of the things you touched on, Victor, was the internal camaraderie that you have to have as well. You know, and, and a lot of people don't realize that code enforcement touches every division: finance with licensing, public works with encroachments, police with these drug houses. Um, you know, uh, what else? There, I mean, there's so many. Uh, mo- uh, planning. You know, that that's another component. Engineering. Yeah, I mean, there's so many components that we touch on a daily basis. Yeah, it might not be ours all the time, but guess what? So we're out in the community. We're hearing about it. We're watching it. We're seeing it. We're doing it. We have to communicate with all these internal internal customers, like you said. It's so important because, you know, in my, in my heart of hearts, I always believe that code enforcement is the hub of every city because we're normally people's first uh, real interaction with the, the public because some people would never, ever, you know, have to deal with city government unless we they have a complaint or they need to pull a permit or I mean, and, and we happen just to be that, that person, their first appearance. So I think the way we conduct ourselves and the way you're explaining, educating and giving people options, I think that is the way to do code enforcement because if you go in and, you know, with like a hammer and say, Hey, you need to do this because I'm the code enforcement officer. And I say, so, you know, it gives a, a bad taste of the code enforcement profession and any city, uh, any
1: city role that we may have. You know, and one of the things that you just mentioned, Pete, is is kind of interesting when you say we need to work with our internal customers. And one of the things we have here in Apache Junction, believe it or not, we have a quarterly meeting where we bring all the departments together. We bring departments such as public safety, the city manager's office is there, our engineering department, public works department is there, our city attorney's office is there. And we call this meeting Positively Aging, right? Positively Apache Junction, and we talk about all those properties that we're working. We talk about all, all those court enforcement issues going on, about uh, about all those nuisance activities that are going on out there. And that's how we coordinate with the other departments to make sure that we get a lot of a lot of the problem properties uh, taken care of. Working together, of course, working together with PD. With the city attorney's office, with the fire department, with the public works department. And that's kind of what we have here in Apache Junction. That's kind of one of the things that the city manager created is those quarterly meetings to, to talk about those issues. And, you know, one of the things I do got to say about my city manager is he's very pro code enforcement. That's why he does this kind of stuff. And I think it's important and it's a good way for us to communicate with each other uh, regarding those, those issues.
2: And, and one of the things, Victor, I think, um, and let's take it back to the uh, association portion, because that's important because there's as an association, we have to teach our, you know, our members that, that you know, there's options because I, I've been in many uh, associations and you hear uh, members saying, you know, we don't we don't know about this. Uh, you know, we're not being taught this. And just like public schools, sometimes we don't get, uh, you know. We don't get taught like finance or we don't get taught, you know, money management. In code enforcement, sometimes we lack those skills that, you know, we work in silos. We don't get taught to work together, to work with our PD, to work with our, our public works department. We don't get taught that stuff. So I think, you know, having that, that you know, education component within our associations is also important. And, you know, you talked about the different types of certifications. Now, can you give us a little bit, um, a little bit about, you know, how the certifications work in Arizona and things like that. Unless, Cezi, you have another anything before we jump into that topic?
0: I forget that I mute myself. No, I think let's jump into that. Um, And the reason is, is, you know, Victor, we... we Pete and I actually get a lot of um, awesome network connections from various states. And I think one of the things that we always like to highlight is how someone in a specific state can connect with code enforcement, what they can do to start their journey, get certified, go to the trainings and do all those cool things that will get them to where they need to be. So if you wouldn't mind just kind of letting us know and sharing with everyone how one would go about getting their certification.
1: Yes, yeah, so for the state of Arizona, our curriculum is approved through Central Arizona College. So you do get college uh, credit hours for, for taking our, our our academy, certification academy. We have level one, which is, you know, the, int- the introduction, uh, you know, for new or beginning court enforcement officers. And we go through everything from, uh, you know, public information through legal aspects, through uh, case documentation, how to present evidence. Uh, you know, how to deal with people in meetings, how to office your safety. And we go through all those items, you know, how to read blueprints, how to read legal descriptions and go through all that kind of information. Uh, and then, uh, once, and then once you go through, it's a six, uh, three week, uh, period when you go to two full days a week. So you're going to be a total of 16 hours a week, right? Uh, times three weeks. So, and then you get a half a credit for, for each class that you take so each day will be happy credit that you're getting um and at the end of the uh, three weeks you're going to get three credit hours for the community college and you're going to get your level one certification now level two is kind of going through the same things again but more advanced more than that you know that's more for court enforcement officers who who have been in the in the industry now maybe a year six months and kind of learn a little bit more of the advanced techniques advanced information of court enforcement kind of you know how to do um administrative warrants how to get the criminal process and, and more in depth into to the the actions of court enforcement and level three which is the certification academy three we have got the curriculum approved through central Arizona college and that can be more in the management perspective uh, you know for individuals who want to be leaders for individuals who want to be managers kind of train them on how to you know how to uh, be uh, good leaders how to be good managers in court enforcement how to deal with a lot of the public interaction how to deal with employees how to deal with complaints um how to deal with performance evaluations how to uh deal with software programs how to deal with a lot of the management functions how to deal with the budget uh and a lot of those items that you know require uh, a co-compliance manager to to be effective or a co-compliance leader to be effective and all like i said all those courses have a uh, uh, have credit hours through the community college so you can use them as general electives if you're going for a degree. And also, you know, I taught people, yeah, we do have a certification prog- program here in the state, uh, which, which you know, you have to go to training, you have to pass tests. At the end of each class, you have to take a test to be able to get a certification just to make sure And you have to participate. You know, if you're not participating and you're not passing your tests, then you're not going to be able to pass a course. So that's how we encourage, you know, court enforcement officer to 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 get more involved, to get more, more trained. Because uh, even when I teach the course, my, my main goal is participation. And that's, and that's how I base most of my grades is participation. How much are you participating in the class? How much are you getting out of it? Because what I tell individuals is we learn more from each other than you're going to learn from me just talking in the course. You're going to learn from experiences, from what other people have experienced throughout their career. And also what I, uh, that doesn't take away from the national certification says me I'm a certified code enforcement officer and a certified code enforcement administrator which I also I believe are good certifications to have you going to be in the code enforcement career for a while.
2: Now, uh, Victor, how did how did you actually get involved with your state association? Because you are pretty involved. You know, I mentioned you when you were president then you scaled out to be another position and another position. Now you're back to president.
1: <laughs> so how, how, do you, how do I get, involved? How do you it's get interesting. involved? This is this lady by the name of Martha Ortiz. She worked for the city of Avondale. And I met Martha Ortiz, you know, probably by going to different classes, different trainings here in Arizona. And she just called me one day and says, you know what, Victor, I have a secretary opening and I'm going to nominate you so you can be our secretary uh, because the secretary quit in the middle of the term. And I'm like, okay. What, what Martha didn't tell me though is once you're in, you're in. You can't get back out.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so now, now I'm in. You know. <laughs> so that's kind of like how I got involved. You know, like I said, to me, what I really love doing is uh, training. So, you know, to me it was good that she got me in the association because, you know, I can now train individuals. I can now get my my professional experiences to to many court officers who are starting, to many court officers who have been around a while, and, and you know, I'm like Pete. I like going out there, educating, showing people what I know about this profession, and I'm real passionate about it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it.
0: Right, and I think that I think that uh, Marta probably saw that and said. Hey Victor, this is what you're doing. Guess what, you're stuck, you're staying in. So she she knew, she knew what she was doing and we're so glad that she did because here you are, right? And, and doing all the great things for everybody else that wants to come in. So Victor, um, if I were somebody brand new coming into code enforcement, right? I, I don't know a lick of code. I, I don't even know where to start. Um, and I have all these questions. I want to get started. What would be a piece of advice that you would give to me?
1: What I tell people is, if you don't know anything about court enforcement, the first thing to do is come sit down with us. Come, come sit down with us. Come do a ride line to kind of get the, uh, you know, what what we do in court enforcement kind of get the you know the basics of it. Uh, you know, you can always call any court enforcement officer and they'll tell you what the what the job is. Uh, a lot of times you know, go, go into the City of a Passion U.S. website I have a lot of resources there for people to look at, such as, you know, ordinances that they can look at, such as, you know, the court enforcement process, that kind of stuff. You can go into our website and look at it. You can always call me. You can always call anybody in the state board. Uh, you can always call Peter. You can always call Ceci. We we're all excited to tell you about what we do in our job, kind of give you the introduction. Also, taking the courses such as you know, the SILA level one, or even going to some of the trainings that we offer here in Arizona, or going to some of the trainings that ACE offers in other Mm -hmm. states, or even the Educode in Vegas. Those are all places where you're going to get information on what point enforcement is. And, you know, I think it's real important that if you really want to know about this profession or join this profession, please reach out, take classes, uh, go onto the website. Uh, There's a lot of resources out there that can tell you about the job.
0: Yeah. Now, what about for those that are in a position of wanting to go into management or to fine tune their management skill set? As a manager, Victor, um, what would be one of, um, you know, the, the or what would be a piece of advice that you would give someone when they're leading a team?
1: When leading a team, what I, one piece of advice is that I would tell individuals is kind of show your court enforcement officers what you know, educate them train them. To me, uh, my corner enforcement office would tie you. I'm not a discipline kind of guy. My corner enforcement officers make a mistake. I'm going to help them so they don't make that mistake again. You know, I want to make sure that they learn from the mistakes and not, and I don't think uh, being a micromanager or being a, a person who's disciplining, unless I mean, there'll be instances where you do have to do it, but you know, that's, that's me. Also, you know, take our level three, CELA level three academy that we have in, where we're going to teach you a lot about being an effective leader, being an effective manager, how to deal with different situations. I think it would be a good way also. I know uh, at A's, they have a, known as a management track, Uh, you know, take that management track if you have the opportunity to do so, because there's a lot of uh, leadership classes that are being uh, given in there that will teach you how to be you know a good leader also there's a lot of different ways uh or a little different resources out there that you, that you can can check out and that you can take also you know call different managers i mean you can call me you can call other managers if you have questions on how to do certain certain items and i will give you my opinion on how i would do it i'm pretty sure pete will give you his opinion on how he would manage the situation i think there's there's a lot of us out there that you can call that will be good resources to you
0: yeah, for sure. And, you know, um, outside of all the code training that is super valuable when you're when you're going through code enforcement, not just when you're starting out, but for continual education, as well as fine tuning, because sometimes, you know, depending on whether or not you're assigned a special project or, um, you know, you're doing something completely different to coming back in, is it's almost like a relearning or a fine tuning, if you will, of your skill set. Uh, In regards to education, we always try to strive not to box ourselves in, specifically just to code because there are so many moving parts. In fact, um, I, I always say even with our building inspectors, our plan checkers, anybody in this building industry, right? Most of the time someone will say, well, I'm not code enforcement. You know, I don't do code compliance. And I always like to remind everybody, well, hold on a second. Let's go back to chapter one administration of every single model code. (laughs) And in there, it'll tell you that we are all enforcers of that code. We're all there to ensure that the code is being enforced and, and followed, right? Meeting the intent of the code. What other resources, Victor, are out there for those that want to also expand on their knowledge base for training?
1: Correct. The resources are, you know, reading a lot of those a lot of those code books. I mean, you have the international rest books, which includes the residential code, the building code. You can go into different zoning ordinances and read those. or you can go into uh different co compliance websites and read the ordinances that they enforce there. Also talking to planners. I mean planners do a lot of uh, I talk to planners on a daily basis, on a lot of the enforcement that I do, when it comes to you know setbacks, when it comes to accessory structures, and a lot of different items, and the zoning. A lot of times, a lot of planners will know a lot of uh, the enforcement part of it, and they can give you a lot of uh, information. You know, talk to building inspectors, building officials. Um, also, permit technicians can be a lot of help. Uh, permit technicians get a lot of the applications when we red tag them, when we do unsafe buildings. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the ones who get those applications. So they know a lot of information too. There's a lot of resources out there that that you can reach out to. You know a lot of uh, you know permit technicians, uh, organizations, a lot of building uh, inspector organizations that can have a lot of resources for you to read.
0: Yeah, that's so true. So when you've been in this profession, as long as we've all been in this profession, Victor, as long as you've been in this profession. How is it that you still keep that smile on your face? How is it that you still find the passion for what you do? What is it that continues to motivate you? What advice would you give somebody when they start becoming a little stale, if you will?
1: Oh, I thought people is go out there. You can once you see the difference that you're making, I think that's what keeps me going, keeps me motivated. I mean, just last week I got an email from my director and my city manager saying, you know, thank you for all the job that you're doing. Thank you for for going above and beyond. And I think that's what keeps me motivated, keeps me going. I mean, National Code Enforcement Month, uh, our city manager sets up a meeting for us and for the code enforcement team. And we go up there thinking, okay, what do we do now? And he has pizza for us, you know, for for being thankful, thanking us for the job we're doing on National Code Enforcement Month. So, you know, a lot of those things is what keeps me motivated. I mean, there are times when you're going to have individuals uh, that don't support you, but you know what? At the end of the day, when you go home and and you know you made a difference in in one person's life, by the work you did, I think that's what keeps me happy. It's the same thing for education. I mean, when I'm out there educating, if I if out of the class I have ten people, ten court enforcement officers, and one took information from me and made a difference yeah. in their job, I'm happy because that one person learned. I made a difference in someone's life, and I think that's what keeps me going and motivated is making a difference in one person's life, whether it's external or internal.
0: Yeah, perfect, right on, and and I couldn't agree I couldn't agree more. Finding, finding. Um your why, right? Reminding yourself of your why you're still in the profession and the things that you've done. And at the same time, adding a little, a little pinch of humor and happy, and hey, we're here. We're all here to help each other out. As Victor said, please call me, talk to me. Let me know how I can be of help. You know, I'll, I'll give you the best advice that I can give you, give you the support that I can give you. Um, Victor, I know that there are many out there that are thankful for your mentorship. I know that I've had a great time listening to your story and just kind of listening to a little bit more of what you have to offer. And I would invite anybody that is watching the segment today to reach out to Victor. If you have any questions and you're in the state of Arizona or any other state, right? Reach out, ask them all the questions, you know, as a, as a president of SELA, as, as a code manager, as someone who, you know, came up in this profession, you know, at different stages of, you know, what it is that you want to follow as far as your professional journey if you want to hear a little bit more from him and have that candid conversation please reach out to him i'm sure he would be more than happy to have that conversation with you as well
1: yeah yeah correct anytime i'm, I'm here to share my experiences my my uh, my training my education whatever i can to to make to help somebody succeed
2: now victor is your information on the sila website correct Okay, so I, I put the Sila uh, website here, so if anybody wants to go, my yeah, information
1: to the SELA website and also at Apache my information is there. You'll see a picture of Victor there, and you know you can just hit send email or has my contact <laughs> information also. Uh,
2: do you answer within the next uh, twenty four to forty eight hours.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so no, I'm just messing, yeah. but um, you know, you know, Victor, um, you know, in, in getting to know you all these years, you know, um, I don't know if this is true, but You know, me, the way I enforce, you know, at the end of uh, my enforcement action, you know, I've gotten thank yous from the public, you know, for me helping them solve their issues or help them comply, you know, or, you know, I've been invited to quinceañeras or a barbecue, you know, (laughs) it's such a great feeling when when you're able to do your job uh, where the community really thanks you you know,
1: personally, you know, so. Yeah, I, I yeah, correct. We, I've actually made friends yeah. through this uh, code enforcement journey that I've been in and I, and I make good, very good friends through it. And, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen being here in the code enforcement industry. Mm-hmm. We, we appreciate,
2: we appreciate you, Rick. And we appreciate the style of code enforcement. It's, you know, it's a fresh, uh, you know, Fresh air, you know, and just listening to other code enforcement officers. Sometimes you, you know, we get stuck in that rut where, oh, I don't like my job. Oh, you know, the community hates us, and you know, and there's, you know, to look at somebody like yourself who can go to work every day and just still enjoy their their job and knowing that you're making a difference in the community because that's what keeps me going. No, you know that's what keeps Cecilia going, and I know there's a lot of us in this, uh, you know, that coming on this program and 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 listen, you know, or retired. That, that, that's their same experience
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Yep. So in the words of Victor, educate before you enforce right make sure that you're always reminding yourself of your wins even the small ones you know the small differences that you make in your community your community have the most impact most of that t- most of the time right And in addition to that continue chasing your goals. call, network, build, reach out for that mentorship. Um, and just always make sure that, you know, you stay focused, anything that's possible, possibilities are endless.
1: And continue to grow professionally, take a lot of those uh, continuing education courses through ACE, through SILA, through your state organization, uh, through ICC. I mean, uh, I think that's very good that you keep yourself updated with, with those codes and just keep taking those courses, keep growing.
0: Right on.
2: Awesome. With that, we're going to be ending our interview, but thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, We love having folks like yourself come on the National Code Enforcement Network where we bring the best of the best. (laughs) And I love, you know, we love interviewing you guys because you bring that fresh uh, air into our profession. So thank you, Victor. With that, everybody, thank you for tuning in
0: and we'll
1: see you next week.
0: Yeah. Thank you, everyone, Victor. We look forward to seeing you at EduCode, perhaps.
1: Yeah, I'll try. But definitely, I'll be at, I'll be at A's. There you go. Right, there Atlanta,
0: you go
1: 2022. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody.
0: Bye, everyone.